Welcome to this episode of the Essential Church Podcast, an ongoing conversation about some of the most important issues facing the local church today. I'm your host, Andrew Arndt, and today we're picking up a conversation that we started a couple weeks ago on the Old Testament and the New Testament. We entitled it The Old Testament and the Church, and it's really a grappling with the role of this complex, beautiful um, first half of the Bible and uh, in the life of the believer today. It was a tremendous conversation that we had with Glenn Packiam and Daniel Grothy and Jason Jackson, chock full of all kinds of amazing insights. If you haven't listened to it yet, go back and listen to part one. I think that'll help you as you listen to part two. Part two promises to be equally amazing. I know because I've listened to it. Anyway, here's part two of the Old Testament and the church. Enjoy. Now here's a question that I want to ask that I think will be fun. What (laughs) about the law? (laughs) What about the law? And this is one that Christians get real hot and bothered about, and we hear, I think there's a lot of false juxtapositions and all of that law and grace we sometimes hear. The Old Testament is all about law, New Testament is all about grace. What we're really talking about here is is ethics. How should we live? How do we behave? And what does the Old Testament have to say about that? Guys, talk yeah. to us about the law. I mean, a couple of just foundational points. First of all, there is no kingdom without law, mm-hmm. without That's rule, right? So if there's a king, good. then there are people who live under that king's way, Very under good. that king's rule. So that's always been a part. And there's yes. no, the, the New that's Testament right. is filled with laws. Yes. It's filled with, you know, yep. things no like this is what it means yeah. to live. And there's no covenant without law right. either. Yeah. What are we there, signing up for? Yeah, it's like, what does this now mean? If, yeah. if, if you're going to be our God and we're going to be your people, then what, what does, does that, that mean? mean? Right. Yep. How do we do this? It's like yeah. vows in a wedding ceremony. You yes. know, you say we're getting married. You say, and this is what that means. Yeah. In sickness and in health, yeah. we're better. Yeah. Well, and yeah. so those those are pieces that we have to hold on to. Hold on to. And then I think the major juxtaposition comes into people thinking the Old Testament is law and the New Testament is grace. Right. But we see even in the the most beautiful giving of the law in Sinai that it begins not with don't have any other gods before me, but it begins with I, I am the Lord, Lord your God, God who brought, brought you out, out of, of Egypt, of yeah. out of the house of slavery. It yeah. begins with grace. He rescued people yes. 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 and said, I want to be yours and I yes. want you to be mine. Yeah. And this is what that looks so like. The Decalogue is the way to continue advancing in that grace and yes. staying in grace and yes. flourishing in grace. And the grace story actually goes even further back, right? The choosing yes. of Abraham, the right. election of Abraham yeah. in Genesis 12 is because of grace. and this, Unmerited. That's yep. right. Yeah. And this is Paul's exegetical genius move in Romans and Galatians is he says, did you get so bogged down in the minutia of Torah that you right. forgot how the story began? Right. Mm-hmm. The story right. began by grace and faith. Yes. Right. And that's how the story will continue through Jesus. You know, there one you of the, the, the great details of Genesis 1 and 2 that I love is it's, it says that the earth that was producing all this beauty and, and the herbs and the trees and the all of it, it was, it was irrigated from underneath the ground. <laughs> You didn't do this. Right. And then Jesus comes and says, and those who are filled with the Spirit out of your bellies will flow rivers of living water. Mm-hmm. Like I am going, I'm called, I've called you to live a certain way, yeah. but you are not the one who's going to irrigate your own life. Right. You are the mm-hmm. one who's going to be filled from within. This is the work of God from the outside. It's merciful, yeah. it's gracious, it's lovely. I'm going to give you all that you need to live this kind right. of way. Right. And so it, grace is grace, grace is just always there. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Always there. Yeah, it's always the presupposition. It's always there. And then with that framework, with that backdrop of grace and kingdom and all of that, we can say, well, then the law within that context is not an arbitrary set of rules. The law at one level kind of confirms or establishes the covenant, like you said, Jason, 
but it also kind of reveals what God is like. It's meant mm-hmm. to reveal yep. His, his yeah. nature. Yep. Yes. God is not the God who lies. God right. is not the God who kills. Right. God is not the God mm-hmm. who you know, and and who will be unfaithful, and on and on we go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and then the third part of it, which again helps us when we're grounded in the kingdom calling, is. It, it shows how we are supposed to live in the yeah, world. Right. Yeah. So if we are to reflect the king, yeah. well, and if this is what the king is like, then live this way. Yes. But this is also what the human machine yes, looks yes, like. Yes. You know, yes, like yes. the thing that I've designed, this is how it works best. So mm. community works best when mm. we don't steal from each other. Yes. <laughs> when we, we're true to we, our word. When we honor the generations yes, and live in community. Yes. Well, when we honor each other's spouses and the yes. marital relationship. So this is what it looks like yes. to live well in my kingdom. This is how humanity was We act like the law as sort of lines of demarcation is a bad thing. Yeah. yeah. But that's the only, like the law is the only time we we act like that. But right. like, hey, we we know we don't want people running the streets killing people. We know that we don't want people like. There's a reason why we have stoplights, and there's a reason right. why we have. And, and so God, this is His way of saying, you want to know what the good life looks like? Stay yeah. in this zone. Right. Stay yep. right here. Anything out beyond those parameters, you're going to find death. You're going to find destruction. So as a gracious way of keeping you in the good life, mm-hmm. stay right here. Okay, yeah. I'm going to press this one step further. And and uh, here's... Okay, so most Christians, <laughs> if you ask me, most humans <laughs> don't have too much trouble with the Decalogue per se. They might, Ten commandments. Yeah, the Ten yeah. Commandments. Yeah. yeah, for the most part. Decent we're tracking. Rules. Yeah, we're tracking yeah, with all this. But... Yeah. We start to get a little bit in the weeds mm-hmm. in the Old Testament when it comes to regulations sure. as as far as what happens in the tabernacle and the temple and how we regulate sacrifice and then uh, things that happen sure. with bodily hygiene. functions that require uh, yeah. hy- yes, hygiene and bodily functions and all of that. And then mixed in with all that when you read Leviticus and so on. Uh, our laws regulating sexuality, right? Yeah. So we got these things that are all kind of couched and together. Bacon. Let's not forget and bacon. laws <laughs> regulating <laughs> our hygiene, our sexuality, and, and bacon. bacon. And bacon. <laughs> so how do we ferret out, guys, in that what is valid, what is binding? I mean, this is a major issue today with a lot of the reinvention of sexuality that's taking place in our culture and even in the church. How do we think rightly about this? I mean, I think just to start just on a basic level, I think we still kind of approach those other regulations, you know, Leviticus or anything else, the same way that we do approach the Decalogue is saying, okay, this is a way, this is a window mm-hmm. into the heart and the character of God. Mm-hmm. And this is fundamentally a part of what it means to be his people. And so how do we understand that? And so yeah. Leviticus itself, the, the first word in Hebrew is, this is how you draw near. Right. Mm-hmm. So the whole book is about drawing near to the presence of God. This Good. is a God that wants to be present with his people. Mm-hmm. And he's given instructions to people within their context about what it means to draw near to him. Yeah. And we think that all of the drawing near is just about them dealing with their own sin, but so much of Leviticus's celebration and party and feasting and mm. coming together and talking about things related to how do we live in such a way that we reflect the character of God. And so even some of the more bizarre things in Leviticus at times are actually demonstrations of his grace if we can understand them in their original context of saying like, okay, think about this clean and unclean. What does that really mean and how do we wrestle with that? And somebody who's been really helpful for me on that is a a woman named Mary Douglas who 
did some work, um, wrote a book several years ago, Purity and Danger, and then wrote a book called Leviticus's Literature, where she's examining taboo laws and cultures mm -hmm. and seeing how taboo laws actually sort of encode a culture's values. Mm -hmm. And to say, okay, so blood in the Old Testament is always this representation of death. Mm -hmm. And death is something to be mourned. Yeah. So even something like a woman who's on her menstrual cycle not being able to come into um, the temple to be able to worship is a sign of saying, you know what, there's actually grief here yeah. right now, especially in the ancient world when children were, I mean, everything in that context. And there is a grief to like, oh, I'm not pregnant. Right. Like, you know what? Take the time. You got yeah, the weekend yeah. off. You had like you don't take have to the come time, to church. like yeah. grieve. Yeah. You don't need to come and do all of this. And we think it like Oh, they're just keeping them away, but right. we think it as an embarrassment right. and shaming yeah. the yeah. women. Yeah. This right. is a protecting and this is a honoring, and honoring, and grieving, lamenting. We're giving you space right. at the yeah, heart of which is the valuing of life. The yes. valuing, yes. the valuing yes. of life. Yes. It says like all of these things actually show yes. how deeply Yahweh values life. Always the God of grace, the and we God just, of life. It's, we're just so separated. It's gorgeous. From it. Yes, yeah, it's beautiful. Yes, yes, and the purity and the hygiene is they don't have medical care. No, that's they're out in the wilderness. They're out in the desert. They, they have no sanitation like we do today. Right. Mm -hmm. And so we read the, these ancient, <laughs> ancient texts through 21st century lenses, and we go, oh, God's just, you know, embarrassing people and making people live a, a difficult life. No, he's, he's, protecting. he's protecting them from getting sick. Yeah. He's mm -hmm. protecting their society from breaking down. This yeah. is how you live if you're out in the desert. Yeah. Very good. Well, and uh, even the sacrificial laws, I mean, mm -hmm. like you were saying, Jason, so many of the instructions about sacrifices are actually sacrifices on happy occasions. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's, it's instructions about how to throw a party, How you yeah. party. What, that honors God. I mean, right. that's, that's essentially the idea. And even the inclusion of a, of a sacrifice that deals with guilt is actually a remarkable provision. I mean, I, you sent me an yeah. article from Bill Arnold about this, where in the ancient world, there was no way to get out of your guilt. Mm -hmm. And so the uniqueness of having a sin offering in Israel's system was actually a tremendous blessing because in the ancient world, there was no way to get out from under mm -hmm. the burden of having mm -hmm. done something wrong. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So if life is sacred, but you happen to take someone's life, right. how do I escape the, the yeah. shame and the guilt of that? Well, now there's an offering that can actually help mm -hmm. you put that guilt on something else. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes I think in this regard that it's helpful just to follow the cues of the New Testament writers. Yes. So Jesus is the new and better temple. Mm. There's not a temple for us to come and offer mm -hmm. sacrifices at, per se, blood sacrifices. But what, are, what does the New Testament do with that notion mm. of temple and sacrifice? Well, Paul says, offer your bodies, bodies as a living yeah. sacrifice. Mm -hmm. So some of those things are transformed mm -hmm. in, the, in the New Testament. There are other things from the Old Testament into the New Testament that are strengthened. That you see, yeah. so with the the sexuality laws in the Old Testament, I think you see them strengthened Flee, and clarified yes. in the New Testament. So Jesus, to me, um, uh, for all of the ways that Jesus can be such a revolutionary when it comes to so many things, on the question of sexuality, he's like the arch conservative. He thinks yeah. that the most conservative people you in have heard Jewish it said, religion, yeah. yeah, you have heard it said, no lust, know, right? Yeah. And then he goes, but do you do you remember how the Creator designed it at the beginning? He yeah. called them male and female and said, for this reason, did it yeah, God is joined together. Like, have you ever read it? Have you yeah. read your Bible? <laughs> yeah. So what the resurrected, the crucified and resurrected one does is he takes that and he strengthens it and clarifies yes. it. Yes. So follow the cues of yes. the New Testament yes. writers. I think there it'll help trajectory. you understand 
what's going on there, kind of mm-hmm. in the weeds of those Old Testament laws. This is Richard Hayes' grid in uh, Moral Vision of the New Testament. Yeah. There yeah. is a hermeneutic yeah. that these first Christians are laying down for us, yes. yeah. and we don't get to set that aside and invent our own hermeneutic. Yes, you yes, know? yes. The other thing to notice here is how some parts of the law get... Um, repurposed maybe by the time oh, of Christ. Good. You know, so dietary restrictions and, yep. and holy days, uh, even circumcision, right? So around the time of Christ, roughly those three things at the least become, they function like right. uh, ID badges. They function as um, yeah, yeah. markers of Jewish identity. Right. And again, this is in context of the, of the people of God being outside their land for a lot of years. And then even when they came back to their land, coexisting with other nations. And the, the the question for them was, how do we preserve our covenant identity? identity. How do we stay as God's people? Yeah. And it's not just how do we stay Jewish, it's really how do we stay as God's right. covenant yeah. people? And a big part of that was circumcision, right. Sabbath-keeping, mm-hmm. right. and dietary restrictions. So yep. when the New Testament deliberately sets those aside, yep. it's not setting it aside arbitrarily. No. Mm-hmm. It's setting it aside to say, in Jesus, you need not keep the boundaries that mark the you spirit, out in this right. way. You, understand. you don't need that anymore. Now Jews and Gentiles can eat together. Right. These are these are barriers that no longer need to stand. Yeah. Yeah. Very yeah. good. And that's the key point, I think, in the middle of that, is that the church is wrestling with in the first century. What does it mean for Jew and Gentile? To live together. To live together. Mm-hmm. And so one. even something like Acts chapter 15 is yep. yeah. they're getting together for this Jerusalem council and the Gentiles yeah. have come to faith and they're like, yeah. what, what do we do, we do now? Do? Some people take Acts 15 and say, oh, they're just throwing the Old Testament yeah. out right. is yeah. what they're doing. No. But instead no. what they're doing is they're going back to the Old Testament mm-hmm. and they're saying, you know, what was required of Gentiles when they lived in the land of Israel? Oh, those things. Let's say... Those are the things that are still binding on Gentiles now as they come into the covenant family of Jesus yeah. and are grafted mm-hmm. into Israel's vine. Right. And so they actually go to the Old Testament right. for wisdom and guidance in that historical context and helps them think about what does it now mean for Jew and Gentile so to be and, one in Jesus? And Paul modifies that even yeah. when he's writing to the Corinthians and to the Romans about specifically about feast days and, and uh, meat offered to idols. Mm-hmm. But he modifies it very carefully, saying, right. look, if this is still yeah. a part of your worship to God, then if it's done for the Lord, right. do it do unto it. the Lord. Okay, yeah. so guys, let me just ask the question flatly. Is there <laughs> a law for Christians now? Yes. <laughs> The law, of the, the law of the spirit, the spirit of, of life. Spirit. Yes. It, which what is, is the law of the spirit? I mean, it's, how, nice it's how it's how Paul maps it out in Galatians. Yeah. The, the 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 law that is written on our hearts mm. is this law of bearing one another's burdens. It's yes. loving our neighbor as ourselves. Yeah. It looks like the fruit of the spirit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when you do these things yeah. against, against such, such there, there is, is no, no law. law. Yeah. yeah. So when you're living that way, you are fulfilling the law. Of yeah. Life. That's very that's, good. That's the major shift in the New Testament. Is not that there's no longer law, there's now the Spirit of God living inside of yes. us, enabling us to live mm-hmm. in right relationship with God and one another and the rest of creation in light of what Jesus is going to do when he comes again, that we can start living according to the law in a way that we couldn't yeah, before. Yeah, and also maybe to live beyond the minimum requirements yes. of the yes. Decalogue. So if we have, if the minimum requirement, a minimum requirement of the Ten Commandments is thou shalt not murder... Yep. Uh, fine. Anger. Uh, yeah, 101, that's good. Jesus wants to talk about anger. Beyond that, what he's really re- leading us to is this radicalization of yes. love that would give itself uh, in a in a sacrificial way for other people. So there's sort of a 101, 201, 301 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. summit 
of morality mm-hmm. is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. The and then that mountain you. might be. Yeah, not only love your neighbor, but love your enemy. Yes, yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like fall in love exactly. with the word made flesh. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Chase him for the rest of your life. Yes. Read the gospels and study how he lived and study who he is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And submit yourself to that. Turn the other cheek. Go the extra mile. Bless those that curse you. Pray for those who despitefully use you. Right. Open your arms to the world, yes. even if they kill you for it. Yes. And if you follow this one, the word will get mm-hmm. in your bones. A couple things about the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. The, the Spirit being poured out on the day of Pentecost is significant because this is a feast that celebrates or commemorates the giving of the law. Correct. And so the giving of the Spirit is how the law gets written on our hearts, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. right? That's the fulfillment of, uh, you know, writing the covenant on our hearts. And then, and then uh, secondly, the Holy Spirit helps us discern within the community of the people of yes. God, some of these specifics. Yes. Mm-hmm. So yes. where in the Old Testament you had to have these experts of the law telling you, you know, all the specific implications. Now the community is going to discern together, well, maybe this is actually the right thing. And of course, within boundaries, okay? yes. we don't yeah. get to redraw everything. But but there's also some gray here where we have to discern. Yeah. And, right? and, and within you know, community, like you said, like it's not just an individual effort. Yes, yes. It's, it's a the spirit at work in us. Together. As a yeah, people. It seemed good to us yep. yes. and to the and Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Yeah. Yep. Surround yourself in that community. Yep. Put yourself in a process of discernment with people who are wise, people who've lived it, people who know the Lord and know his word, and then just submit yourself to them. And if they rebuke you, if they tell you right. no... You got no. You, you, you no. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and then the third thing is what Paul says in Philippians, uh, where he says, uh, God is working in us to desire and to do yep. his will. Mm-hmm. So... He didn't relax his will. He, he still has a will. He still has a nature that we yep. are meant to reflect. Yep. It is the will of God that we look, that we are conformed to the image of his son, Jesus Christ, right? Yeah. But now the batteries are included. We've got the desire and the ability to do now what he's called us to. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Essential Church Podcast. Our goal is always to strengthen and provoke the thinking of church and ministry leaders. And so if you found this or any episode helpful to you, please go to iTunes and leave us a review. Your reviews help leaders just like you find our podcast. And if you have any comments or suggestions on people or topics you'd like for us to cover, be sure to let us know via social media. And of course, please do share this and other episodes you find helpful around the web. Grace, mercy, and peace be with you. Mm